What is up, guys? Welcome to episode 48 of the Triage Method podcast. Paddy is back with us this week. Um, how are you, Paddy? I missed you. I am fantastic. I don't know. I didn't listen to the last podcast, Gary, so I don't know if you told everyone that you basically just bottled it and that was the reason that we couldn't record uh, last week. You were just like, oh, it's uh, it's Valentine's Day. I know uh, we uh, normally record at the same time every single week, pretty much. And you just decided on the morning to go, uh, I'm going to uh, climb a mountain uh, because uh, I love my girlfriend and shit. Yeah, I actually did tell them that last week in the podcast. If you listened, you'd know that because I always take ownership of my actions. So, so yeah, they're aware. Don't worry. That's good. That's I just wanted to make sure because, as I said, I didn't listen to it because, honestly, listening to your voice makes me want to get sick quite often. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but anyway, what, what are we going to talk about in today's episode? We're going to talk about carbon footprint. I mean, coaching footprints, excuse me. So we're going to talk about something that I wrote about yesterday on our blog. Some of you might have read that. Lots of you probably didn't because no one seems to want to. No one seems to want to write anything, read anything on our website. But sure, look. Um, what are you talking about, man? We get fucking <laughs> hundreds of clicks, especially those free articles, and they get fucking loads. I don't know why people aren't joining the militia, man. That's where all the good stuff is. Free articles. <laughs> that's just the the you know the the thoughts that we have rambling through our brains on the on a daily slash weekly <laughs> weekly basis. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, in the militia in the militia this week, what did you write about? I couldn't tell you. No, actually, I introduced the, the tier two stuff that was earlier on in the week because you know this is the we did the habit based change. We've already gone through all that, and then this week we're and for the next few weeks we're getting into the more uh, portion control stuff, which there are actually quite a few methods to this, which is going to be the next few articles because um, we've already actually done tier three, which is the more like calorie counting type stuff. Um, but yeah, we'll be going into portion control the next few articles. And then also I wrote a free article on the deadlift strength or weakness off the floor, whatever way you want to look at it. But what you're you telling me about this article, because obviously I didn't read it because, again, I, I would then have to read it in your voice. And as we've already mentioned, that that makes me want to get sick. Paddy actually gave me compliments in email that I can send out to you guys, if you like, about how good and amazing this article was. He even commented and said, Photoshop. he said it's a true... He said it's a true reflection of your it, your intelligence, Gary, it's, and, and your empathy. You know, it's, it was really a, quite romantic that email. But anyway, the article um, Photoshop. Was, <laughs> the article was titled um, "What is my coaching footprint?" And the basic the basic premise of the article is that when we are coaching, um, or at least me, anyway, one of the things I'm focused on is asking what what will I leave behind. So when this coaching process is over and, you know, the same goes for giving anyone advice. It's like, it's not, it's not just about what, what you tell the person, what results they get or whatever. It's like, what is going to be left behind after this? So it's essentially about looking beyond just um, how good the decision seems at the time, how flashy the thing might be, um, how interesting it seems, even your client's response. You know, so lots of people get real excited about novel ideas and doing new things and changing things all the time. But if it's not in line with what's good for the long term, then that's not something we should really be focusing on. And essentially, the, the, the idea of the coaching footprint kind of stemmed from the carbon footprint idea, but was discussed in like a 2006 paper in relation to 
the therapeutic footprint. And more recently on Twitter by some guy, I can't even recommend remember his name, but basically what he was saying is that, you know, physios, you should be considering their therapeutic footprint in terms of considering what they're leaving behind with their patients. So that includes things like attitudes and beliefs, you know, the practices that they're going to be engaging in going forward and so on. Um, so that's essentially a brief introduction to the idea. But to, to, to kind of give more context to what we're talking about, if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm coaching someone, let's say, and we need to make a decision about something, let's say it's, let's say it's a supplement. Um, you know, someone, someone has a specific goal and there's a specific supplement that maybe they're wondering, should they go out and buy? And let's say it's a general health supplement. Um, it's very easy to turn around and say, oh yeah, that sounds like a great idea. You know, the, this is going to be supportive of your general health, whatever, go ahead and buy it. Sounds like a great idea. But what we then have to look at is like, firstly, like what is the cost of that investment? Like if we, if we consider the actual cost, that could be 40 euros a month, let's say, that they're going to then buy for 12 months, which is like 480 euro for the whole year. And then that then is further extended throughout multiple years if we're talking about something like a general health supplement. Because obviously the assumption, if that person trusts you, um, is going to be that, oh, I need this for my general health, so I'm going to keep on buying this. So that's like a, a cost thing. And then you have to consider things like time as well. Like it, it could be something else like a daily stretching routine that takes 30 minutes. That's 30 minutes of that person's day every day for the rest of the year and potentially long into the future, um, depending on the narrative that you kind of sell along with that. So if I was to tell someone that, oh, you need to stretch 30 minutes per day to prevent injuries, then I would need to know that the person has that time available and that's a fair use of their time. I would need to consider the narrative that I'm selling along with that. So, you know, I'm, I'm telling this person that to remain injury free, they need to stretch out their body. And if I'm going to sell that narrative, I need to make sure it's 100% correct or true. And like, firstly, it's not, but that's not the point. And like, secondly, it's like, yeah, so you need to be thinking about the narrative that goes along with the things that you're actually saying and uh, and whether or not they're actually true. So that's just a, a couple of quick examples. And before we kind of go any further into the into the idea, um, I'm going to throw it back to Patty and see if you have anything to, to add or any experiences you would share related to that. Yeah, you kind of cut out a little bit there for some of that for me, so I couldn't really hear what you were saying. But irregardless of that, I actually know vaguely what you were saying in the grander scheme of things. <laughs> Um, in, in terms of this therapeutic footprint, in terms of this coaching footprint, like I, I think it's actually way more pervasive than people actually realize it is because you don't even have to be engaged in say coaching to feel its effects, you know, like it's still the information that people put out on social media. It's still the information that, you know, you talk about about nutrition or training or whatever with your friends like it's all of those things that have informed your opinion your beliefs around a certain topic right so like obviously if you're engaged in coaching with myself or gary like to a large extent or like any coach to a large extent they are your fountain of knowledge you know, presumably you're going to go to them if you have a, a query, a question about a certain dietary supplement, a certain, you know, nutrition protocol, a certain training method, a certain exercise, you're going to go to that individual, right? So 
as that individual, like, because obviously we're talking about ourselves here, you have to always be wary of the information you tell the person, because that's going to inform how they uh, view that topic, whatever it is, for the rest of their lives, potentially, you know, until like they get better information or get exposed to other information, whatever, you know. So if you're if you're talking to someone and you say a certain exercise is dangerous, you know, and you see this a lot, like people will say like, Oh, don't don't squat with your knees over your toes because you know it's it's dangerous. And it'll be a very vague snippet of information. Like it's not fully elaborated upon. And maybe some of them do fully elaborated upon it, but you just get this snippet of information, this easily disseminated bit of information, and you say, Don't squat with your knees over your toes, right? And that that then informs how that person then exercises, how that person moves, and how that person believes. Or, or or that person's beliefs around that exercise you know they then think like oh squatting is a dangerous exercise unless i do it a very very specific way you know and they're left with that belief potentially for the rest of their life you know so you do have to th- take these things into account when you are actually speaking to an individual like if you go back and listen like to that podcast we did on like words are magic you know or magic words i think it was called like that, that's essentially what we're talking about here. You know, like you, you're the words you tell someone, the words you speak to someone are actually changing their thought process. They are actually informing their overall thought process. So you have to be very specific in the information that you are giving to someone. And now that doesn't mean that you have to elaborate a hundred percent, a thousand percent on every little bit of information you give to someone. That doesn't mean that you're saying like you have to tell them every single bit of information that you have in your head about that topic, right? Because I definitely have fallen victim to that before where, you know, you want to tell them everything you know and you end up writing this like 3,000 word article as a as a reply email. And like that, that is beneficial for certain things, right? But that also is like what we're talking about, that kind of coaching footprint, right? Because that then doesn't necessarily help that person. Right. Because you can talk a lot and not actually tell someone a lot. Right. Because at the end of the day, what they want to know is the information behind the like the rationale, the, the information behind the decision. But what they really want is the, the the overall decision. You know, they want to know, oh, should I take creatine? Like they don't want to know all the benefits of creatine. They don't want to know all the negatives of creatine. They don't want to know all of that. It's like, yes, you can point them in the direction towards that. You can better inform them about that. Right. But what they really want to know is. Why would it be good for them? Why would it be bad for them, right? So they want that end point, right? And as a coach, I think it is always that balance that you want to strike. You want to give them enough information that they have an informed decision, but you also want to give them the actual pros and cons for them as an individual, you know, because it better informs them right now. So you can say like, all right, no, we don't want to have take creatine because, you know, you're cutting weight for a competition, Right. So they know that, but you also give them a little bit of background of, say, why creatine causes weight or uh, water weight, you know? So you give them that information, you give them the rationale behind it, but also you don't just blanket statement because I think that's what really causes a lot of the issues. You don't just go, oh no, stay away from creatine, it causes you to hold water. And that then for forever, they forget about all the, the positives. They never even look into the positives because they've just got this little snippet of information where you essentially have just told them, oh yeah, it causes water weight and that's, they're done. No, no more further detail, nothing else. They, they, they're just, that's all they know, you know? Yes, sir. And I think I, and as you said, I think it is actually far more 
of a common problem than than people actually realize. Like this, this is not this podcast is absolutely not just for coaches because I think what 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 needs to be realized is that you know let's say you follow like fifty people on Instagram pretty closely. You probably follow them because they all have relatively you know similar ideas and they're sort of shaping the way that you understand fitness you know and you you see this so much today where people literally just follow the exact same trends like there's there's there will be like a a few thought leaders within a specific circle and then you know most of the same most most people that are you know fit a certain avatar are following all of those same thought leaders and hence everyone ends up doing the same thing and you know that that could literally be you know the way that someone trains like for example training working up to a top set and then working and then doing a back off set like that's that tends to be common among a group of people and i'm not saying that's a bad thing i'm just giving you an example it tends to be common among a group of people and you'll typically see it very often in among coaches in the uk for example like coaches in the uk generally younger um, generally into into bodybuilding and it's like yeah that, that there's this g- a general cult there and you know you see it as well with people who wear you know those black nose strips to to help them breathe and then like i'm not saying that is a, a good or bad thing i'm just saying that it is a, a, another thing that people are learning and that is spreading then among the population and you see it as well with even the types of foods that people eat like these these have come and gone throughout the years where you know, having cereal post workout is really popular um, within the Fit Fam, or having cream of rice, or having uh, intro workout drinks, and you know all these different things. They come and go. I and think I think I think most, most people can these... see re- really well the illustration or the illustrate the point really well is the the food stuff because you'll see essentially like yeah. one of these thought le- leaders enjoy a certain food, and it's they don't really eat that for any uh, beneficial reason or whatever aside from they enjoy that food. And because they post it, people, other people start eating it, even though they don't, like, there's no added benefit to it. Like, necessarily, it's a good food or whatever, but people will do it just because their their guru does that. Like, I could literally, like, I, I eat kippers, right? I like kippers. Like, I could literally come up with, like, actual, like, actual <laughs> reasons why kippers would be a good food to eat. And I could just post a picture of kippers every time I eat them and being, like, superfood or whatever else. And other people would then start eating that way you know well i'm not saying i'm an influencer or anything but you know what i mean like like i could get that that kipper <laughs> yeah. cult going you know and y- this is what you see in the fitness industry like the amount of times like i've posted like i just don't do it anymore like the amount of times i've posted up something like oh pre-workout meal or something and it'll be like oats and blueberries or something like that and people are like people message you and they're like oh what did the blueberries do like how do they help you train and i'm like i'm, like, I'm just <laughs> I literally i'm just eating food like it's not like i'm not doing this for this like supercharged added fucking psychological the anthocyanin yeah literally i'm not doing it for like this this added benefit it's like i just enjoy that food you know like yeah if there are added benefits to that to the stuff that i'm going to partake in awesome but like i'm not necessarily doing it because of that and again people want these little like secrets these little hacks they're like that's that's why i want to have this extra food this little something something extra to you know, boost whatever it is that I'm doing. And again, you see this kind of behavior propagate throughout the whole social media. And the food one is really easy to see how it happens. And it really illustrates what we're talking about in terms of this, this kind of, like we're calling it a coaching 
footprint, but I actually just think it's a an information footprint as a whole. You know, the information you have around health and fitness and exercise or whatever fuck you want to call this stuff that we do. Yeah, and that and that information footprint is is pretty damn accurate. And like as we as we just said, these things are mostly benign. Like it's not necessarily a bad thing, and that's why we kind of want to put it on your radar because you just have to consider how you are being influenced. Not just when you you are being coached by someone, but also when you're on social media, and you have to ask yourself like, does the does the person that you're following have a good track record of putting out good information? Like if they're sort of not really within a circle of people that you generally trust quite a bit, and their information in the past has been classically not so great, and now you're kind of just following this because it seems attractive, you might want to think about the sort of downstream effects of that. Um, and obviously, like, that's the responsibility of people putting out information on social media as well. But it's also like, definitely your responsibility as a user to kind of question the people that you are following. So yeah, yeah I, don't, I, don't know these- how, I don't know how we lost this. But like, there's always been in all businesses, there's always been that concept of caveat emptor, you know, like buyer beware, you know, so yeah. if you're if you're engaging in social media, you're engaging in coaching, like, I don't know where it got lost in translation because coaching or this health and fitness stuff is a service. I don't know how it got lost in translation, but people don't beware. Like they literally just follow some guru and go, Oh yeah, I'm going to engage in coaching with this person, or I'm going to follow what they tell me to do on social media and just not question it, you know? And I'm not saying like, like I can see how it happens because obviously not everyone can be an expert in health and fitness stuff. So you, you kind of see something flashy. You see someone with a cheeky six pack or whatever they're they're selling whatever product that they're like oh this is how i got this and you know you want to have that 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 whatever they're selling uh the physique that they're selling you're like oh well if they say that that's how you get this physique then i'm going to do that but the onus is on you to a large extent to just you know look at a few reviews look at what the general like it literally takes two minutes to type into google whatever it is whatever concept they're selling and there's huge public forums like something like reddit and stuff like that you know where you can just go on and be like see what people are saying about this it's completely free information so it's not like this information isn't easily accessible you just have to spend two to five minutes actually looking up to see whether this is correct or whether this is something that actually will help you but i don't know this in this day and age people don't want to do that they just want that kind of clickbait culture where it's like you know, unless i get the information in two seconds i'm out yeah and i think and i think it also kind of fits into a general like anti-establishment sort of rebellious mindset that people have as well and that like if they see something like edgy on social media something that's that's quite new and quite novel it's like oh yeah man i want to catch on to that because it goes against all the other stuff you know and like you see that loads like even among doctors where they'll like do you know the way like energy balance calories being in a calorie deficit to lose body fat etc accepted stuff it's it's establishment knowledge you know but a lot of the time there'll be doc even even medical doctors that'll be like oh no that's just like the that's just old establishment dogma and um, it's not just calories it's it's something else and then there's like cults built around like uh, low carbohydrate dieting for example and insulin being the victim and it's being hidden from you by these doctors and stuff and it's like this anti-establishment mindset and that certainly like drips into the fitness industry as well um but yeah as we we're saying most of these things are benign and where this becomes important is when you're dealing with more like absolute claims or, or very strong claims that are really going to affect how you live your life like for example if we're talking about like whether you do two harder sets or four easier easier sets 
I don't really care about that. As in like there are subtle nuances of programming that are like relatively benign, you know? Yeah, um, you, you can argue either way. Like it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Yeah, like, I mean, if you're wearing like a nose strip to help you breathe, I don't particularly care. Like that's up to you. Like, you, you know, all these little things, they're just they're just relatively benign. But where it becomes problematic is, for example, you should like like you were saying, these exercises are harmful. You shouldn't do these. Or like one of my favorite ones is like when people say you shouldn't you shouldn't run, especially not on the roads because it's gonna it's gonna wreck your knees and give you arthritis. Like that to me is a message that requires a lot of evidence. And if someone is putting out that claim, they should really be careful about their quote unquote coaching footprint when they're putting out that claim because that is something that genuinely affects someone potentially for the rest of their life like because i put up some information about this a few months ago about how you know runners runners in this study had lower levels of arthritis or whatever and i was kind of making the point that running is not a harmful activity and is beneficial for your health and like there was this person that messaged me and they've been suffering from rheumatoid arthritis for like two decades and they were like i've been afraid to run all this time because uh i was told that it was bad for my knees and it's like that's harmful because that stops someone Number one, engaging in activities that are good for their health. And two, engaging in activities that are potentially like part of their social life or that help them even interact with your kids. Like there are lots of people that are genuinely like afraid to play with their kids. I'm afraid to lift up their kids because of messages they've received from physiotherapists, the physiotherapy community, people online, um, fear mongering about, you know, lifting up loads, being bad for your back, about shearing discs, about herniating discs, slipping discs all this sort of stuff. And that to me is where it becomes harmful. And it's it's equally, you know, it's both in training and in rehab and in nutrition as well. You know, if you're going to tell someone that um, every time you eat a meal, you need to consider the effect it's going to have on your gut health. Like that's a claim that's often made. You really need to, like before you take that on board as a consumer, um, as someone that's consuming that information, you would really want to know that that is true. Because if you're going to, burden yourself with that thought process before you eat every meal for the rest of your life that's a big problem and that's where you start to to see like disordered eating start to start to develop and that that that's where this stuff gets darker is because in the fitness industry obviously like lots of people have body composition goals and when you're giving people nutrition advice it's very easy to say oh yeah this is this is true in an objective sense in that like like, like let's say if you if you only eat chicken and broccoli uh, every day for six meals, you're very likely to get lean. It's like, yeah, that's a true statement, but you have to consider the footprint of that statement. Like what effect is that going to have on that person down the line? And you see this loads where people develop what, what's now called orthorexia, you know, with an obset, obsessive um, obsession towards quote unquote clean eating and viewing foods as good and bad. Um, you see a lot of that in the fitness industry and that's where it becomes problematic. So you need to be questioning extreme claims, whether the nutrition, training, rehab or anything along those lines. Yeah, and I don't want people to hear that and then again go like, oh, well, obviously then that that doesn't apply to me because I do like IIFYM, bruh. You know, it's the exact yeah. same on that side of things yeah. where people are like, they go they go away from this, what's classified as orthorexia, you know, where it's like that that obsession with clean eating and they essentially go the complete opposite. They're like, oh, it's all just calories, bro. Calories and macros are all that matters. So I eat ice cream all day and I just, you know, drink fucking protein shakes to get my protein you know and it's like this is this is just as bad 
as having this orthorexic belief. Like people that are obsessive yeah. with their tracking, like they're like, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't go out and talk to my friends even unless I have my meal prepared in my lunchbox ready to go because I don't know what what the macros are going to be like on those the meal that they're going to have you know so it's like yeah okay cool you you you're saying you're doing something where it's like oh this gives me more freedom and more you know uh flexibility but that that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way you implement it because you could just be like um what's the word i can't even remember the word but uh you could just be as regimented in terms of hitting your macros and calories and everything so you're like oh i wouldn't eat any of these foods that i don't know the exact macros and calories of so i end up being very dogmatic in terms of what what foods i can eat and how i approach this iifym you know so you can be very dogmatic that way and you can also be the opposite way it's where it's you're just eating crap all day and going oh yeah well it's just calories and macros that matter at the end of the day and like you said it is those kind of people as well that do that where it's like oh it's all about the gut microbiome it's all about like the 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 flora the gut flora i'm like man this just completely ignores like if you if you genuinely think that you're like oh it's the it's the flora that inhabit your gut that make the biggest difference then you just have to ignore like the endosymbiotic theory of like how mitochondria got into the cell. Cause like your mitochondria is a bacteria essentially, you know, it has a different genome. Like it has a mitochondrial genome. So if you're going, oh, it's all about the, the gut flora, then you have to go, oh, well then it's obviously all about the, the cell flora as well. Like that, that might, that, that uh, mitochondria. So then it becomes like, well, yeah, you have to look after your gut flora, but you also have to look after your mitochondria. How do you look after your mitochondria? Well, then it's going to be cardiovascular work and it's going to be, you know, getting a, uh, good healthful diet in terms of micronutrients and everything but it's also calorie balance you know so you can't just ignore certain things to fit your narrative and then tell people that that's what we're saying is the the the, essentially the bad thing where people make these claims and then it's not a full truth and they've made these claims with no real backup to it and someone reads that and goes oh yeah that makes sense so i'm going to do that you know and i think the only real way you can actually combat this if you are uh, one of those quote unquote influencers, and if you are someone who is uh, uh, taking on this information, the only way you can actually influence this positively is if you inquire about the population or you consider the population, right? So if someone makes a claim, your duty as a consumer is to try to decipher what population that that actually applies to. Like if someone says low carbohydrate diets are the best, as a consumer, you don't just jump on that bandwagon and go, yeah, boom, that's me now, right? You go, what population are they applying that to that they are able to make that claim, right? And same as if you are disseminating information. If you're saying that squatting with your knees over your toes is terrible, you should disseminate the information of what population that that is terrible for, right? Because if you are talking about, and and like, I mean, population in terms of like very stratified population, like maybe you believe that your knees going over your toes in a squat while there's like a heavy load on your back is bad. But if you just say knees over your toes is bad, then you are telling people that they can never walk up the stairs, you know? (laughs) So like you have to be very stratified in terms of the population you are applying information to, or if you're giving out pop, uh, information, you should tell people which population that this actually applies to. You know, and again, as a consumer, you should be inquiring as to what population this applies to. You know. Yeah, and I think I think that like you do have to take on that responsibility as well, just like as a consumer. Like you don't have to be 
you don't have to, you should you shouldn't just be wandering around the world assuming that everyone that is a professional one knows everything or two has your best interest at heart like you have to be skeptical and you have to you know be willing to question any extreme claims that are made and like as i said especially if it's affecting your life in a meaningful way and it's and and as we were saying you know it's not just about your beliefs related to training or nutrition or movement or whatever it's also like things that you can actually count on paper like the cost the expense of something like if someone is trying to say that you need to invest in this specific tool or this specific supplement then before you go and spend your hard-earned money you should really be questioning the level of benefit that that is going to have and then you can weigh that up because unless you ask you're not able to make decisions that are you know effective for yourself and like i said that to to clients all the time about like specific supplements like some people will will ask you know should i take a multivitamin and i'm like look like there may be some minor benefit for you but what you have to realize is that this might cost you 30 to 40 euros a month and if this is a longer term thing that really adds up long into the future so what i want you to consider is the fact that it might it mightn't have an effect and it it probably won't have an effect that you'll notice but it might be there as a very minor insurance policy especially during periods of time where your nutrition isn't quite as good. So it's up to you then to make that decision based on what you you feel you can justify with that information I've given you. So I think I think that's that's the one thing I've learned as a coach over time is that like it's far better to approach things like that than just to to be the person that that thinks you're helping more. Like I know I know that some coaches when they make like supplement recommendations for example, they're not doing it from a position of trying to do harm when they say you should take these 10 supplements like they in their head they're thinking i just read about all these supplements it seems like these things these do lots of good especially for this client and then they're like oh yeah you should take those and then the client's delighted acutely because they're like oh i feel like i've been given all the secrets and stuff and like i don't think that's a malicious mm. thing that's being done by a lot of coaches because I, I think their their heads in a good place but i think it's something worth thinking about and and personally I think that thought process that I put forth there is a little more helpful. Yeah, 100%. And you can see how it does come about in terms of exactly what you're saying there, where as a coach yourself, you're kind of like, oh, well, I know this population does benefit from X, Y, and Z supplements. But what you have to factor in on top of that is like, what are the negatives as well as that, right? And it's not just like you're saying, like the financial stuff as well. It's like, you you have to factor in, yeah, okay, it's the financial stuff, but supplements is a bad one. But yeah, the financial stuff of going for these this extra organic food or fucking this extra whatever it is. You also then have to look at the like socio social uh, stuff that happens as well. It's like, oh well, if you tell people that they it, it's better for them to eat like a paleo diet or excuse me, uh, like a vegan diet or whatever else diet it is, and you're like, that's how you have to do it that then changes their ability to socialize that then changes their ability to engage in activities with other humans. Right. And you might genuinely think like this person comes to you and they have some sort of autoimmune type condition. Right. And you're like, "Mm, I've read a lot of stuff on this. I've been intrigued about this topic for ages. I've consulted with people. I've talked to people about this. And it looks like for this person, that's something that is this kind of like, autoimmune elimination type diet we'll call it like a a paleo type diet or whatever the fuck you're like that would actually help this person right and you're coming from that from a place where you actually genuinely want to help an individual like you're looking at their 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 
all the criteria, they're ticking all the boxes that would be required for this protocol that you're thinking of. And you're going, yeah, I'm going to tell this person X information, right? I don't think that's a bad thing, right? But I also think that you need to explain to them that, yes, this is probably a good thing for you, but there are negatives. There are trade-offs, you know? Like, I'm sure you could justify someone going on like a, a carnivore diet or something, you know? And you could be like this for you as a population, whatever stuff you've got going on, like this would be beneficial for you. But you have to discuss, you have to disclose the negatives. And then you also have to disclose whether this is something that they have to do for the rest of their life. You know, like the supplements one is a good one. Like, you know, it's like, oh, well, take these supplements. They're going to help with your training and you're, you're taking them and you're noticing nothing. Like if you don't tell someone that they should come off them, if they're not seeing a benefit, then they just keep pouring money into it, hoping that they see some sort of benefit. And now obviously some of them are, some supplements are literally, it's not like you have this massive effect overnight where it's like you take creatine and all of a sudden you wake up and you're the Hulk, like, you know, it's not like that. So some of them is like, oh, you're, you're accumulating more reps over time. They might not be able to actually feel anything objectively, you know? So again, like that's where a good coaching eye does come in, but you should have uh, an idea of how the protocol plays out over time. You know, if you're like, we're going to go on to this elimination style diet, you know, people just stop then. Like they just stop there. Like that's that's the end of the, the thing. You, a population comes to you or a person comes to you and they're like, yeah, have these autoimmune type things going on. So let's try this out with the diet. You think to yourself, this is what we need to do. You do that, but there's no follow-up to that. It's never, like the amount of times you see this where people are like, they do an elimination style diet, but they never do a reintroduction style diet, you know, where they never go into like, oh yeah, we've eliminated all these things. Let's see where the, the the parameters are what can we get away with what can we never touch because it's just bad for you you know like for you as an individual what what are stuff that is like yeah like we notice some negatives but we can we can get away with this you know like maybe it is like uh i don't know you 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 can handle some sort of gluten type foods you can handle some sort of dairy type foods and you're like yeah, if you have a pizza, a few slices of pizza, it's no big deal. You know, if you go out and you literally go and live in Italy and live off pizza, it's probably a big deal for you, you know? So they never do this reintroduction style diet. So the 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 message that that individual then gets left with is all of these foods are bad for me. Unless I follow this very strict elimination diet where I'm basically eating only five different types of food, I'll basically fall apart. You know, and that's what they're left with. That's the, the 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 coaching footprint that they're left with. Rather than for you as a population right now, or as a person right now, this is going to be good for you, or potentially beneficial for you. And this is how we start opening up, broadening the horizons in the future, so that you can get away with other things. That you don't have to be stuck to this very very rigid protocol. And again, I'm just using that as an example, but you see it play out in all of these other things in terms of the stuff that's related to like health and fitness, where people are like, oh, if I don't wear blue light blocking glasses, I might as well not even sleep because, you know, it's useless. You just, you don't even get melatonin secretion, like fuck this. Like, and that's like, this is not what any of the studies say, like at all, even in a roundabout way, right? But because it is like somewhat scientific and because you can then be exposed to this by coaches, which then, you know, propagate it in terms of like this echo chamber style fucking social media. You can genuinely be left thinking, oh, if I don't do that, I'm, I'm basically just shooting myself in the foot. I better not even try, you know? And I think that's one of the, the major 
turnoffs of the fitness industry because if you look at like the health and fitness industry like it, it is supposed to be the health and fitness industry like you're supposed to be helping people live healthier fitter lifestyles you know like it's supposed to be frontline healthcare right? at least that's how i think it. and i know you do have a similar thought process you know people kind of forget that and they leave people with this bad taste in their mouth and that bad taste can come about even before they've tasted it like if you're coming into this as a, a complete newbie and you see all of these things that you must be doing, that can be a huge turnoff. You're going like, oh man, I, I can't I can't do all this stuff. I don't have the, the money to do all this stuff. I don't have the, the time to do all this. I don't have the resources to do all of this stuff that these people on social media or these coaches are telling me I must do, you know? So if I can't do all the stuff and I don't know how much of a contributing factor this stuff is, like I don't know the percentage increase in performance or recovery or health or whatever that these things are affording me, I'm not going to even bother. Like you could literally be left with something that literally is maybe contributing a a 0.5% increase in quote unquote health. And because you can't do that, you feel like, oh, I'm just going to throw the baby out with the bathwater and I'm just going to do nothing, you know, because you don't know. You you, you, In your mind, that thing that's literally only contributing 0.5%, that could be the 50%. Because you don't know, like the, the coaches propagating this stuff aren't telling you the how much it contributes. They aren't telling you how much that this quote unquote needs to be done, you know? So as, as someone disseminating information, you need to be more clear in terms of what you're saying, who you are saying it to, and then also how someone may interpret that, which is the hardest part to do. Because like when we write articles and we write stuff, like what, what you think you're saying Sometimes people interpret that completely differently. And I've seen like, we've written articles on different topics and the exact thing that we said in the conclusion or the summary, someone will say the exact opposite and that's what they took away from the article. And you're like, how, how did you even, like I literally say it in black and white. I'm like, don't do this. And someone will say like, oh, I really mm-hmm. like this article because it confirms my belief that we should do this. And I'm like, like I literally, this is the exact opposite of what I'm saying. You know, uh, so like you have to, you, you can't always be like uh, ahead of that, but you do have to factor that into your thought process, like how clear you are being in the words you use, how clear you are being in the, the way you discuss the topic and how clear someone is interpreting that topic. And like, again, like feedback is great for this, but at the same time, it's like a lot of people aren't giving you feedback and they're still taking from that information. And again, like that's what I'm talking about if you're disseminating information. But if you're consuming information, the onus is on you then, right? Like, yeah, we can all fucking wank each other off here and say like, oh, the fitness industry should be better and just all come to this agreement and be like, it'd be great if all the information was just clear cut and precise and everyone had the, the, the population outlined and the exact magnitude of effect and everything, blah, 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 right? But it's not going to be the case. Like we're not living in this utopian world, right? So what are we left to do? If you are a consumer of information, then you should be questioning that information. And when we say question information, that doesn't mean that you just write 20 questions under every single post or topic that you see on social media or ask 20 questions of your coach or whatever. Well, maybe of your coach, ask 20 questions like, fuck, it's their job. Who cares? But, uh, you know, it's, it's not to say that. It's, it's to do your own research. It's to find uh, opinions and information and scientific research on whatever it is that this, this person is saying. If they're saying that doing, I don't know, uh, Smith machine squats is better than doing regular squats, right? First of all, 
you can ask them why they believe that. Then you can also then look at other people's opinion on that, right? And again, I'm talking opinion here, you know? And like you literally Google search it. And then you can look at like the scientific research, the scientific literature. And again, you might not be scientifically literate, but there are lots of services, lots of people. Like that's what we do in the militia. You know, we distill down that that kind of scientific stuff. Um, so there, there are services, there are places that you can get that information, you know? And that's on you as a consumer to get that, you know? So when we say question everything, like that's what we mean to do. Like actually go out, like Google has made it so easy these days. You can literally just type in your question and you'll get millions of hits back from Google with answers, you know? Yeah, and that that point you made about people getting left with a bad taste in their mouth from the fitness industry, it's a fucking excellent point, Patrick, good man. (laughs) But no, that's a really important point because that actually really fucking gets to me a lot of the time because i'm like our goal as trainers um, or as anyone that puts out fitness information should 100 percent of the time be to try and make this stuff accessible to a large portion of the population now that doesn't always mean we need to dumb things down totally it just means that we should be giving advice that is you know likely to be what people can actually take on board in the real world and like like that should always be our goal is that our information is generalizable to a large volume of people and that it's not unrealistic for us to get someone from the general population to come on board and do the things that we're proposing. So for example, like getting someone to start weight training three to four days per week and getting them to to walk a little bit more every day to get an idea of, you know, how much food they're consuming and eating a bit more vegetables all those sorts of messages, even basic sleep hygiene tips, some stress management stuff, like that's all really helpful for someone that's kind of coming into this industry and they're not going to be totally intimidated. But you, but if you start, if the main thing that we put out um, when people come in is that there needs to be like all of these different movement assessments before you ever even get into the gym, um, there needs to be all of these specific foods that you consume at specific times, you need to you know, wear specific things, you need to buy specific tools, etc. Like that's scare that that's literally like turns people off and leaves them with a, a bad taste in their mouth. And you actually even see this play out in other in other contexts as well. And like my 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 mother has even said this to me about, you know, when people have kind of more liberal ideas related to politics, let's say, you know, it's a if if someone's talking about like oh, we should be improving the way, like, what, like, or isn't it great the way homosexuals are treated better these days or that racism is going down? It's like, everyone is going to be like, you know what, that's fucking amazing. Like, that's good. That's good shit that we're, that we live in that sort of society today. But if you, if you, if the first, if the first thing someone is exposed to when they're exposed to more liberal ideas is that, oh, you need to ask, ask someone what their pronouns are before you address them. It's like, Man, if you if you approach anyone in the general population with those ideas, that leaves them with a bad taste in your mouth of what those ideas are related to and it immediately turns them off. And that same thing can happen within the fitness industry. And I think that's something I've become increasingly aware of over time. And it's one of the reasons that in the article on this topic, I discussed the idea of trying to be conservative with one, the messaging you put out and two, your actual coaching process. Because if you can be conservative, you're far more likely to be giving advice that's most likely to be true um, and that you're not just kind of stroking your own ego by trying to put out loads of fancy advice or you're not trying to, or you're not, you're not doing things that have good intentions, like helping someone. 
um, without thinking it through in all of the different ways that we've talked about. So yes, as Paddy said, if you're an information provider or a coach, make sure we're not leaving people in the fitness industry that are just coming in with a yeah, bad case. It is something that's really hard to do because like you, you want to help people and the people that you're, you want to help, like maybe they need to know this information. Like maybe you are, like you, you said earlier on, like the kind of bodybuilding style coach uh, in, in, in England, say, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, yeah, maybe these people do need to know this information. Maybe like that's, that's, that's what they need to know, you know? But yeah, so like the, a person reading that on social media doesn't know that. They, they just see that and they think that applies to everyone that exercises. And this is something that you see a lot. You see it a lot in pre, pretty much every field, but you see it a lot in the fitness industry because it's very easily applied. Like people just assume automatically that if you go to the gym, you have the same goals as them. You know, so if you're going to the gym, you're going yeah. to get bigger, to get stronger. And you're like, oh, that's that's because that's your goal. Right. Whereas some people could be going to the gym because they want to lose some fat and they're going to go, OK, well, yeah, that's that's fine. I can see that. I can see why people do that. But people might be going to the gym to improve their athleticism. People might be going to the gym to improve their like sporting performance. People might be going to the gym to you know do powerlifting. You know, there's there's multiple like thousands of goals that you could be going to the gym. Like maybe you're just going to the gym because you want to get a little bit of a sweat on because if you don't move around, you can't sleep well. You know, like there's hundreds, thousands of different goals that you could have in the gym, but people kind of forget that. And the same with nutrition, like your goal with nutrition might be something else or, or, or completely opposite to somebody else's goal. So you have to take that on board. And unfortunately, the fitness industry kind of gets overrun with the, the say the bodybuilding industry, because that's generally what people want to do when they think of the gym. When they think of the gym, they're thinking about improving your body composition overall, right? And obviously, you look at the extreme of that, which is bodybuilding. Like, bodybuilders want to get really low body fat and really high muscle levels. So people are like, well, obviously, you follow their approaches because, you know, they're the, the most extreme. They're the best at what they do, right? And what they do is kind of like what you want to do, right? So you obviously take all your approaches from them. But that's not necessarily the best way to go about actually achieving those goals for you as an individual like you could literally be like you know mary from who's 50 who has already raised four kids and they're all grown up you know and you you just want to lose a a few pounds and you know keep fit into your old age you know your doctor said you need to be wary of like osteoporosis and you're just like i wouldn't mind going down to do a a few classes with the girls you know and the fitness industry doesn't like give you the information you need because like the the people giving out the information aren't thinking of you know mary who just wants to lose a few pounds and go to a few classes with her friends you know like people people in the fitness industry are thinking of like oh i want to train like jacked bodybuilders uh so that's the information i'm going to put out and it's like that that doesn't actually help the vast majority of people but unfortunately the vast majority of people that's all they're ever influenced by you know, because the extremes are easier to sell, you know? Yeah. And I mean, like, it's another thing to consider, like, and you kind of, you kind of touched on it there is that like, what ends up happening is that the more, the more advanced you become as a coach, like the more, the more you tend to know, the more the very advanced people tend to reach out to you for information. And it's sort of like this vicious cycle where 
the really advanced people want the really advanced coach to put out the really advanced information. So it sort of like lifts you up onto this platform and further takes you further and further away from the, the mass, the general population. And then what you're left with, um, and it sounds bad, like I don't mean it in a bad way, but is, you know, the earlier, younger, um, inexperienced coaches with less knowledge that are helping out the vast majority of the population, which obviously then means that you're less likely to have um, useful, evidence-based, true, well-thought-out information going to all of those people. Um, and like that's something that's definitely... That, that that thought process alone is something that influenced like my own approach and our approach and um, with triage even like from when we first started versus where we are now the type of information we put out then and maybe even the, the avatar that we were speaking to is definitely different um to the the way that we put out information now and that is because of that realization that you know if you're a, a bodybuilder or a powerlifter you're being looked after. There's lots of people that are putting out good information for you, but very often it doesn't trickle down into the rest of the population. And therefore you're either getting information that's pretty crap or you're getting information that's maybe not applicable because it's too advanced for you or for a different population. So ideally, like in the fitness industry, for the trainers listening to this, we should be trying to help those masses of people and try to get them away from fitness magazines and, you know, cheap programs that they're getting on like you know women's websites and that what sort the of fuck? stuff why did you have to bring um, up women's websites what the fuck are you saying women's websites are shit you fucking and, sexist and and men's health <laughs> etc you know those <laughs> you know what i mean um You're it's, it, it's capitalism playing on it's capitalism playing on women patty for god's sake <laughs> don't ever say that again patty <laughs> anyway um but yeah, you kind of know, you kind of know what I mean. Like, you, like we as trainers can do a good job there, and you as consumers listening to this, I would take away from this podcast to try and go away and screen the information that you're being provided. Like, is the information in your best interest, and how might this affect you lo- go, going into the future? Like, for example, if someone is giving you something that you need to do for thirty minutes every day for the rest of your life to make sure you stay healthy or whatever, really make sure that that's worth it. If someone's making you spend 30 euros a month, really make sure that that's worth it. If someone's giving you any piece of information, request evidence to show that it's true or at least rationale. You know, there's not going to be a study on everything, but there can be good rationale for something. And then you might want to cross check that with a few people. I don't know, but it's your job as a consumer to assess the quality. of. Yeah, but also do recognize that if you are getting a free service, which social media generally is like, Yes, the onus is on the person making the claim, right? But don't expect them to spend half an hour, an hour educating you on that topic for free. Because the amount of people that do that, they literally go like, oh, yeah, man, I'd love to like sit down and have a coffee with you sometime or, you know, discuss this or, you know, uh, they type you a big email and they want all the answers. And you're like, hey, like, and I know just from us, because we do obviously disseminate a a lot of information, like we get that a lot. And like, obviously we want to help a lot of people, but the, the, the helping an individual is great, right? Helping a population is much easier and to an extent better because you can help more people, right? So if you're not willing to pay for the information from an individual, don't expect them to give you their time for free, right? Now, that's not to say that you shouldn't ever question someone because obviously that's what we're saying to do. Like, but don't expect them to spend 
hours upon hours giving you like spoon feeding you all the information when you haven't done some very basic, you know, research yourself. Yeah. And then the other thing as well is, you know, I mentioned there, you know, cross check with a few different people that can also be done really poorly. Like some people I know will ask me a question because this has happened even between me and you, they'll ask me a question and then I give them an answer with a thorough explanation that I really thought out. And then they'll be like, they'll go and ask you as well. And they'll see, Oh, what's Patty have to say? And essentially they're not trying to see if what the truth is. They're trying to wait until someone tells them the answer that they want. So that's what you have to realize as well. When you are asking for information, like ask with the intention of finding out what's true, not with not finding out what suits your bias, because you can very easily find things that suit your bias. Like if you, if you love like eating a hundred grams of butter a day and you, you're wondering, oh, is this bad for my health? Then all you have to do is go find the cult that tell you that saturated fat doesn't matter. And then there you go, you're sorted. But if you ask other people, then they might tell you a different answer and you're just going to go with the person that suits your bias. So yeah, like you, think like you said there, like it, it is one of those things where you see people like uh, I, people think that people in the fitness industry don't talk to each other, you know, like they, they, they obviously do. Uh, and it's really it's really quite funny because you, you see people ask about 20 to 30 gurus the, the same question but they 29 out of the 30 gurus will will give an answer um yes like they'll ask like 30 different people and 29 of them will say don't do this thing but one person will be like yeah do this and they'll only listen to the one person that uh, agrees with their their bias right even though like 99% of the people that they've asked say, no, it's a bad idea. You know, so there is a huge amount of that in the fitness industry when people ask for information. Like they they pretend they're asking for information to help better inform them, but they're not actually doing that. Like they're not actually questioning everything. They're questioning everything so that they can confirm their bias, that the bias that they already have coming to the conversation. Right, and as per usual, Gary's internet is shocking, so we are going to wrap this up here because Gary just keeps coming in and out of the conversation, and it's not recording on his side because, you know, you know yourself, he lives in the arsehole of Ireland, apparently, where the internet barely touches. Um, So we're going to wrap this up here. Uh, As per usual, guys, you can find us on all our social media you know, yourself, it's a triage method on everything, you know, with this podcast, you can like, comment, subscribe, do the whole shebang, whatever it is. Um, And as I said before, like, if you do enjoy it, give us five stars or give us fucking one star and tell us what we do wrong. I honestly don't care. Just uh, giving us some feedback does actually help us both improve the podcast, which is ultimately what we want to do. And also, if you do rate it, it does actually improve the the visibility of the podcast for other people. And that's another thing. If you enjoy the podcast, share it with your friends. Like, tell your friends to listen to the podcast. Tell them to subscribe. All that good stuff because it does actually help our visibility and it does help our ultimate goal, which is to help more people. Anyway, guys, we're going to wrap it up here. And I know if I asked Gary what he wanted to say, he'd say it's too easy. So it is too easy. And we will see you again.